you know, we had several times, both of us, where we doubted what we were doing. I can clearly remember the day I left my job driving home, just having a fear that I should turn around right now and ask for my job back. But what I continue to have, and, and I and Clet did as well, is we just had the vision of us boarding that first flight to visualize us with the backpacks on, hopping onto the plane. And that was the biggest motivation for us to, to basically, you know, reassure all of our fears. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you would like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the Patreon page for the show at patreon.com slash half hour intern. In today's episode, I interview Colette and Scott Stoller, who are the beautiful couple behind the Romaru travel blog and the Romaru Instagram and the Romaru YouTube channel and all the other Romaru stuff where you can find them. And uh, they are a couple that gets paid to travel around the world for a living. Uh, probably the coolest job on the face of the planet. So if you have ever wondered like what it's like to be able to do the coolest job in the world, you should definitely listen to this episode. If you've wondered what it's like to have the greatest life in the world, you should definitely listen to this episode. Um, they started this all by a couple years ago quitting their jobs so that they could just go traveling for about six months or so. And they talk about how kind of nervous they were to even do that. But over this process of this these six-month, seven-month travel plans that they had, they decided to start up a blog. That way, they could keep track of all their photos and their friends and family and everything would be able to follow what they were doing. And they started getting other people following some of their uh, their trips as well. And suddenly a video that they posted on Facebook just blew up and went viral and got millions of views. And then they suddenly had thousands upon thousands of people following their every move in travel. So they uh, looked at how they could kind of turn this into a business and they now are just able to travel full time and they will discuss uh kind of like what the revenue model for that is and being what being an influencer is like if you guys remember uh back a little ways in the half hour intern catalog i i interviewed a influencing an influencer marketing manager on the show so somebody that manages influencers with companies that want to get uh set up with influencers and stuff so they are what you would call an influencer colette and scott are um so now now they get uh, like free flights and free hotels and all kinds of other stuff or they get paid to to check things out. It's really honestly like the coolest thing in the world. It's 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 mind blowing that that people can get paid to just travel the world and have fun. But when you are fun, awesome people like Colette and Scott, and you put things together in the way that they put things together, um, it's just good content that people want to look at and that people want to read. So it really makes sense. So without further ado, here is Travel Blogger. Colette, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show, you guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to start with, if you could tell us the story of how this all started for you guys. Like, when did you guys get really into traveling? And then I guess more importantly, when and how did this become a, like a full lifestyle for you guys and not, oh, this is something that we just do sometimes in between work? So we always love to travel. And I mean, before we got married, we were taking trips, international trips to Mexico. We started, that was one of our first trips. And then we went to Thailand, Bali, um, New Zealand, or no, not New Zealand, but uh, South Africa. And one day Colette came home and said, you know what, Like, let's just, let's travel. And she was serious. We'd always joked about wanting to travel long term, but she was dead serious. And I was kind of, taken aback and I said, Oh, let me let me think about that. And so what she had done is she listened to a podcast and it was Rolf Potts uh, who wrote the book Vagabonding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have, have heard that. It was actually on Tim, Tim Ferriss's podcast. podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so then I listened to the same podcast that she had listened to then like a day or two later on the way to work. So I get to work, I'm fully caffeinated. And I really didn't have that much to do in the morning. And so I sent her probably three or four emails that said, okay, we're going. This is what we need to do before we leave. I had all these bullet points. 
And she was busy at work and I'm blowing up her phone and she's like, what's going on? And so <laughs> we came back, you know, that night we started talking about it together and, you know, we had some worries and some concerns about what we needed to do before we could actually take the trip. Um, one, you know, we had to make sure that we could actually rent out our house. And but then we kind of made a to do list and just started taking care of all the actions. And once we took care of the big items, like selling our cars and you know, renting out our house, we knew that it was all green lights from then on. That's so great. So you guys owned a home before this and you yeah. guys rented it out as soon as you guys left. Yeah. So like Scott said, that was our main concern because we had moved into our house in California seven months prior, which isn't exactly the best time. Okay. To wow. So that, that was going <laughs> to be my question. I didn't want to be like too specific or too weird or whatever, but like, did you guys like, were, were you guys making money when you rented it out or were you like breaking even or were you losing just a little bit of money every month? So we make a little bit of money each month. Okay, cool. Even like even immediately right off the bat. Right. Yes. Okay. And that was, and actually that was, um, cause at first our concern was just to cover the mortgage and Colette being the smart one that she is just decided to throw it up for a little bit extra and people grabbed at it right away. Yeah. We had three offers on our place the first day we put it up. So Whoa, then we crazy. That, that fear we had, uh, was no longer present yeah. but so just for everyone listening to try to like crush any fears that they have in case they're wanting to do a similar thing h had you guys just been at a break-even point you were still planning on doing it anyways correct yeah, that, that was our biggest concern was we'd at least have to cover the mortgage but then when we went above it it made it a lot easier cool yeah for sure so where was the first place that you guys went when you're like all right we're getting out of here we took a flight to rio de janeiro brazil one way ticket. And, uh, I remember the nerves, you know, feeling that we had just left everything behind. We left, we sold a ton. We sold our cars, we sold clothing, electronics, everything we could. We had two backpacks on our backs and we were boarding onto that one way flight to Rio with just excitement and nerves and a feeling that you don't really get that often as an adult. Oh my that gosh. Excited, don't know what's around the next corner type of feeling. And I think at that moment we knew that this is kind of what life's all about. Those scary, exciting butterfly in the belly moments. And if I could take a step back, one of the things while we were planning our trip, you know, we had several times, both of us, where we doubted what we were doing. I can clearly remember the day I left my job driving home and just having a fear that I should turn around right now and ask for my job back. But what I continue to have, and, and I, and Clet did as well, is we just had the vision of us boarding that first flight the, to visualize us with the backpacks on hopping onto the plane. And that was the biggest motivation for us to, to basically, you know, reassure all of our fears and getting on that flight down to Brazil. I still remember the first day we went out to kind of local expat bar and there was, I think the Copa cup was going on. And we were, we met some friends and they were just blown away at what we were doing. And the fact that it was our very first night and we were down in Rio, yeah. just an excellent experience. That's so awesome. Colette, I love how you mentioned the whole entire like butterfly in your belly moments and that that's not something that you get a lot as an adult. I, that's something I, I consider like pretty often is the, the, how those, like those, those moments you unfortunately get like less and less as you get older and it didn't really hit me until a couple weeks ago when i went to uh to tulum mexico for a friend's wedding that every time i've gone out of the country for travel like 100 percent of the time when you are in the airport and when you're on the plane and all that it is totally one of those moments and it's like it's so difficult to get those moments as an adult like you said and it like what a what a gift that travel gives you as an adult that no matter how e even if you get really used to traveling i would imagine and i guess so this is a question i should ask you guys even <laughs> if you get really used to traveling if you're going to a new country that you've never been to before is it still kind of that same feeling or is it like I've been to enough new countries that now I don't have that feeling anymore? Oh, I still get that feeling every time. It's, I, I mean, I get excited to, to add a number to my country list and also just to experience something new. I mean, the unknown is probably what keeps travelers coming back for more. So yeah, yeah I definitely still get the, the butterfly feeling, the first date feeling. Totally. <laughs> Part of that, man, it's, and there's so many like little things in that, that I love so much. Like something that I noticed, um, when we actually got back to America and like landed in an American airport is 
it was some like cheesy like 50s looking diner um like chain restaurant but they were smart and they had a and it was in the international terminal and they had a, a sign out front all lit up like that said like try an american beer and i was like that's so great because like i remember when i went to thailand for the first time being like i gotta try a thai beer right now and then it's like i gotta try a thai coffee you know and it's like yeah. co- like coffee and beer and stuff it's like you want to see how each culture does it you know and uh, it's like those little things are just so exciting definitely yes i mean that's that's what makes it the travel so great is just trying all the local cuisines yeah absolutely. yeah that's the quickest way to travel like since we've been back in america i think if i'm feeling a little wanderlusty, I'll, you know, go and grab a bottle of wine from Italy or go out for Thai food. And, you know, that, that taste, once it hits your lips, you go instantly back to that location. Yeah. That's so great. So Scott, you mentioned a little bit about like the fear that you were having, um, with quitting your job and all of that. Um, I would like to know if when you, when you guys left, like, what was your plan exactly? Like, was it just like a straight up vagabonding thing of like, all right, we're going to sell our stuff. We have some money in the bank right now. We're covering our expenses with uh, renting our place out. We'll just kind of travel for a while and we'll come back and we'll maybe get jobs when we come back. Or was there a thought process of maybe we will start blogging when we leave? Or, or like, it, you know, what was there some sort of plan for the trip itself or was there no plan whatsoever? So a few things. So when it came to the jobs. I mean, we had planned that we were going to travel. What's actually funny is we couldn't count and we thought we were leaving for six months when in reality we had actually booked a seven month trip. So <laughs> that, uh, but yeah, the plan was to come back. Uh, originally, I think we had talked about coming back towards the end of the holidays and then we would just go look for jobs. And before I had left, I'd actually just been kind of looking a little bit and I had a few offers and they came up right before we left. And so that actually gave me a little bit more confidence in that if we leave and we come back in six months, seven months, we can easily get jobs if we want to do that. Yeah. Since then, you know, our life has changed. Things have popped up. We've pursued different opportunities. And so that no longer is the plan. Um, I think what was what was the other part of the question? The uh, like so, so the ba- yeah, yes. basically that. Like, did you guys have any any plan to be doing a blog when you left and, and all of that? Okay, so so to do the blog, we initially started that, and our thought was, okay, this, you know, we thought maybe we'll get uh, a few free hotel stays, and worst case, this is just a really nice diary for us to reflect back and store all of our travels and have this great memory. And if anything comes on top of that, that'll be great. And so that's really how we went into it. And the traveling, the actual planning of the route, we had two trips that were planned already. Uh, one was a family trip, and then one was our you know, typical American one-week vacation that we had planned uh, that was from um, Istanbul to Athens. And so I mean, the other trip was in Costa Rica. So our route then was determined that we had to go South America for about two months and then Europe for two months and then Asia for about two and a half, three months. And we all started, we basically, Clint and I just made a list of all the countries and sites that we wanted to see. And then we kind of cross-referenced those and then started making our itinerary based off of those two lists. That's awesome. I love it. So when did, when did your audience start like picking up and what was like the growth of your audience over that time? Or did it not really grow at that time? And the story is not over and you guys did come back and you did get more jobs. And then like, what happened exactly? (laughs) I think it was slow at first and we were just creating content for ourselves and for our families, but we love to do it. We love to experience a new culture and write about it and share it with our friends and family. And I still remember when we, we got our first, or no, we got our 300th follower and we thought that was a huge deal because at the time it was, I mean, we didn't know anything about the the blogging world. So it was a slow growth, but, um, you know, we were pitching a lot of hotels because I was a writer and producer for TV. So I knew that I could write something, I could video, we could be on camera for these people and maybe they'll give us a free stay out of it. You know, let's use our skills to our advantage and hopefully that will help pad our budget a little bit for travel. So we just took a chance and I knew the, the, uh, 
copy that we could provide and the, the content that we could provide would be of high quality. Now, I didn't have numbers to back myself up. So a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, that's nice. We get, you know, 100 of these emails a day. Come back when you have some numbers. So I think that was just kind of fuel to our fire. Of and we, now we, we need to grow this say, audience. Hey, we have the numbers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but we don't even want to stay with you anymore. <laughs> So was there some major thing that like major tipping point for your audience um, where, where you guys were like featured on some other site or like something happened that really caused your audience to explode? And again, like did, did any of this kind of like major growth, like, you know, to the numbers where you could start getting that you would frequently start getting free rooms or, or any sort of money would be coming in um, and stuff like that. Was this still during this first seven month trip that you guys took or is it on some subsequent trip that you guys took i think i don't remember the exact timing but uh i can remember a few events but one of the biggest was Clet had an idea just to make a compilation of all of our trips and kind of a, an about us video and the video we posted on facebook and just it took off it went completely viral and it we on our page it got up to i think three and a half million maybe four million views wait and then what yeah, and then Lad Bible picked it up. It actually had so much traffic, it crashed our website. And then Wait, so at the I time that this thing got three and a half million views on YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, on Facebook, yeah. how, like how many, how how much traffic was your website getting at that time prior to this video? Prior to the video, it was probably like 100 to 200 views a day, I think. Wow, that's freaking crazy. And then this took off. And so... It was, uh, that was probably one of the biggest things. And the lad, what ha- well, hang on, what happened in this video? Like, did you guys get naked and you guys are both really good looking or like, what, what, what happened? No, it was, so we had a, uh, we had part of it was, so we did devil's pool in Zimbabwe, which is you're on top of Victoria falls, I think 108 meters up. That was one part of it. It's just us as we've traveled. It's shots of us in Thailand. It's shots of us jumping into tropical waters. It's about all the experiences that we went through for the past, I believe it was around eight or nine months at the time when we posted that. And it was just our own personal story. And this is what we did. And these are the adventures we got into. And, you know, adventures are the best way to learn. And we did it together. And we shared it. And and people supported us in it in a way that we didn't even know was possible. And Colette, you were the one that edited this video and stuff like from your prior background? Yeah. Cool. And and we were both shocked to hear some people, somebody was, I remember one of the top comments was a guy who said, I just quit my job to do this. And my family thinks I'm crazy. I can't wait to show this to all of them and see that I'm not the only one doing this. That's so great. I love that, man. That's so cool. So it now, is it after this that you guys start regularly getting a lot more people to your site? Yes, definitely. I think after that, then we were consistently getting over a hundred thousand page views a month. Wow. That's crazy. So, I mean, that, that really shot up and we realized, Oh, maybe, maybe video is our niche, maybe Facebook video. And I think it, you know, came at the right time with Facebook trying to overtake YouTube and prioritizing video over, you know, the written word. And, uh, it just, it all clicked at the right time. That's amazing. So after that, did you guys have like a conversation about do we even have to go home or can we just keep doing this now? I think it was at that point we had kind of put the concerted effort to making this full time. It was sometime around December, January of, so about the time that our original seven month trip was going to end, we said, you know what, let's see if we can do this full time. Let's dedicate some time to it. Let's do a few months and see what happens. And, you know, at first it was just, it was the grind. You know, there were times when, We'd be at work in, and both of us would say, why are we doing this? There's nothing coming. There's nothing happening. And then we would get these, like the viral video where, you know, the two of us are dancing around the office, <laughs> high-fiving each other and just watching the numbers just skyrocket. Uh, and then that's, you, you have to hold on and cherish those victories because then, you know, the next week you're not going to have that viral traffic and you're back to the grind again. So now that this has happened a few times for you guys, um, do you see any sort of, I guess, like pattern to any of it. I feel like there's probably so many people listening to this that might have some sort of like internet-based business that are just like, what the F? Like, I want to go viral. I keep on trying to do stuff to go viral. How come you guys were able to go viral? Um, 
do you do you guys have any sort of advice for people or is that like kind of an impossible question to ask someone if i knew that we would probably be on a big yacht in the mediterranean and never having to work again yeah, right how to make it go viral all the time so crazy i think you know you have to have a unique selling point in your story that will be visually captivating um and you, yeah a unique story of your own don't don't try to copy someone else's or cause uh, you know, in blogging, everyone is our, you're your own brand. So just be yourself and be authentic to what your story is and, you know, create a video or create a photo or, or write something or whatever, or paint something, whatever your creative mind says to do. Yeah. And for us it's video. So let's talk about the low times and the lull times and stuff like that. So you, you mentioned that sometimes like you guys will get down on yourselves and think it doesn't seem like things are going um, very good. Like what can you do? First of all, I guess, is it even, is it like a difficult thing to try to maintain your traffic numbers? And are you guys now that you are this brand and now that you are this blog and this thing, are you guys actively trying to get new followers and you guys are doing different things or do you just keep on like, look, I'm just going to keep on putting out good content and hopefully people find it. It's, it's more the latter. I mean, we're, you know, we're always trying to see what's, what perks up the, the traffic, but in the end, it's just generating good content and kind of sticking to what's been working in the past. And so it's, I think in the end, if you try to meddle around too much with, okay, I, I need to focus on my SEO or I need to see if I can get published in this uh, news article, or I guess I would look at it as like shortcutting good content. Yeah. There's, there's not really any good tricks or shortcuts because if you have good content and you're inspirational or educational to people, that's when they're going to keep coming back. And so that's really what we tend to focus on and, and just, you know, we're always educating ourselves if it's, how to make better video content or how to make better pictures or how to interact, you know, through the social media channels. We're always trying to stay abreast on the new ways because those the algorithms continue to change. The new tools continue to change. But in the end, it's it's just the good content and trying to get it out and be consistent with it. And I think it's also going back and testing the content and looking at the analytics and seeing you know, what worked for us and what didn't work and where can we focus our time and what was maybe a waste of time and, you know, taking that information and then proceeding accordingly. Do you have an example of that, Colette? Because I feel like it would be interesting if, let's say, you had just posted some stuff in like the jungle and then you posted some stuff in the beach and the stuff on the beach didn't do well. And is it like, well, shoot, do we need to do more stuff in the jungle or like, is it something else? Like, how are you trying to figure out what it is that's working and what's not? I know that I mean, I, I can't think of specifics, but I know that for some reason, water shots, everybody just loves tropical water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's, you know, it's, if we're talking about some of the other ones, like posts and pictures, sometimes Colette will see a picture and she'll say, oh, this is going to be excellent. And I look at it and I say, I think it's a horrible shot, but let's do it. And it'll just blow up. And then other times we'll have a photo or, you know, a video and we're like, this is going to be awesome. Everyone's going to love it. And it gets no engagement. Yeah. So it's it's sometimes it's very hard to predict what's going what people are going to like. It can be difficult because sometimes if we think something's going to do really well, that might mean that we just have an emotional connection to that place or right. that moment in time and we think this was the best thing ever. Everybody's going to love it, but no one else has the emotional connection that we do. So it's a lot of trial and error. Um, I'll say as an example, the video content, um, we've been posting a lot of unique experiences around the world. And, you know, at first we were trying to do all of these videos that were, you know, super heavy in content and they were longer and a lot of, you know, us direct to cameras talking about the location, kind of a travel channel-esque type feel. And I think the uh, attention span of the <laughs> Facebook user and just, you know, people in general at this day and age is a lot shorter than that. And they don't want to sit through that. Definitely. So when we started cutting down in time and you can see on Facebook and the analytics, you know, how long they're watching your videos. And after 30 seconds, I mean, you're lucky to still have people. So I think keeping it short, sweet to the point and, you know, showing not telling about the destination has been our greatest uh learning experience 
So guys, give us a little bit of a timeline here. When was this that you guys first like blew up? Like let from that first viral video that you guys had uh, and you guys thought to yourselves like, all right, I think we can do this. When was that? How long ago was that? So I, I think, you know, we were just trying to figure out the timeline. So the, the actual first video, I think, started going viral in April. Mm-hmm. Of 2016. Of 2016. Okay, got it. So at, let's think, so basically January and December of, so 2015, 2016, that's when we really started to focus and, and make this a full-time job. And then April was probably, I mean, there, there are other small victories, but that was probably one of the biggest victories and one of the biggest growth moments. Okay. So when in the past, like six to eight months then, like what kind of variability can you guys see in your numbers? And have there been times where it's down for just like an entire month and you guys are just like, like shit, have our like 15 minutes run up and this is it now? Or, you know, have you guys ever had any moments like that? Yeah. I mean, there's times where, you know, I wouldn't say a whole months, but we'll have weeks where the numbers are just low and it's sometimes you don't really know and you're trying to dive into it and it's, it can be very frustrating and you feel like you're just banging your head against the wall because then all of a sudden somehow an article will get linked or someone will like it and share it and numbers come back up. And it's, you can't, you know, it's, you can't get into the numbers too much because then you're going to feel like you're going to try to find that, that one little thing that makes a difference. Whereas if you're just focused on, Hey, let's just get out more good content and see how people respond to that. That's usually been the best way for us to make an adjustment or get the numbers back up. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that you guys can see where the majority of people are finding your stuff and how people are linking to you and everything. So now you guys have a website, Instagram, Facebook, all the kind mm-hmm. of like necessary stuff. Um, you guys have mentioned Facebook several times. Is that kind of like your thing or do you guys get a lot of people just sharing like your website or finding you on Instagram? I would say Instagram would be our most engaged platform with Facebook behind that and then Twitter behind those two. Um, Instagram, our numbers were nearing 60,000 followers and Facebook is around 30,000 followers. So I think Facebook has been the biggest driver of traffic to our website while Instagram has been the most engaged platform on its own. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I guess that really makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point now, is most of your guys' travel just paid for via... So in just a moment, I guess I should say that um, that you guys are now also influencers and in that whole game, and I want to talk about that. Um, but between being influencers and uh, maybe like advertisements on your site or anything else, um, is everything kind of paid for for you guys? Like things are looking good? Yeah, so it's, it's a majority of our travel. So we a lot of our travel is paid for. But we also still take trips, you know, on our own. Uh, this weekend we're headed to Sedona, Arizona, and that's going to be one that's not paid for. Uh, then we go to Peru, and that one as well is not. But I th- we're working with some hotels down there on on some content. So it's sometimes we we do a combination of, of the both. That's cool, man. So now that you guys are um, like influencers. Do you have to, are, are you guys reaching out to hotels and stuff in places and areas that you want to go? Or are you guys now the ones being inundated with lots of emails saying, hey, you guys should come here. Hey, you guys should do this. It's a combination. Sometimes people approach us, you know, through social media channels or direct email and we'll, you know, partner with them. Or the other thing is we'll reach out to those as well. And so I think it's now for the trips, it's probably about 50-50 on being approached or us approaching them yeah and it's actually kind of fun because we'll talk about places we want to go and it's you know back before we did this it was okay well we want to go to let's just say it's italy and you got to look at the cost and you got to look at the flights and you got to you know budget everything out and now it's hey let's go to italy okay let's pitch the airlines let's pitch the hotels let's pitch the cruise lines Let's, let's see how we can get there so it's it's almost more rewarding because you get the benefit of Hey, we got it. We're going to Italy, you know, with this this company and this hotel group. And then you can enjoy it when you're there and it's just a different different benefit, different fulfillment. I think it goes back to, you know, as we talked earlier about Colette said getting the butterflies in the in the stomach because it's just that that rush of actually being able to get to accomplish that goal in a whole completely different way than what most people do. For sure, man. Ah, oh, that's so great. It's like 
I guess an analogy would be if you have, if it's like a really hot day out and you have like a hard day of working, like in the sun or something, and then you get like a cold beer at the end of the, and it's like, <laughs> it like that cold beer tastes so much better because of your hard day working out in the sun. It's like your travel is now made better. Cause it's like, I earned this. Like I did this thing to make this trip happen that we're now on. I mean, I guess technically you always earn travel because you paid for it or whatever, but it's, it's a little different for you now with the way that you guys are setting things up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The view at the top of the mountain is always, you know, that much sweeter when you hiked up there and you didn't, you know, get dropped off there. Yeah, totally, totally, for sure. So, um, when did all this start happening with you guys being influencers? And uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit. Actually, in case we've tiptoed around it too much and people don't understand exactly what being an influencer is, we've already done an interview on the podcast about um, like the other side of the influencer world, like somebody that works at an influencer company. But if you guys can tell us about what being an influencer is like from the influencer point of view and what exactly you do. So, I mean, I guess getting into the nitty gritty, the details, basically being an influencer, um, I mean, it's a very general and open term, but it's... <laughs> I'm sorry, Colette just showed me some some notes we had. She said, uh, you know, if you want to change minds, if you want to change markets, or if you want to change the world, you know, anyone can be an influencer. You just got to get out there and do it. Yeah, and so- Colette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the writer in me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, I mean, if you get into the details of how it works, it's just that, I mean, we talked about the Kardashians, you know, they're quote unquote influencers. So they might be approached by Crest Whitey Strips to do some advertisement on their Instagram page and they work together. And so we do the same thing with, you know, hotel groups. They might say, Hey, we want to have you come to come visit our hotel. Or if it's a tourism board, uh, you know, we worked with tourism Jordan and they organized the whole trip. And so we go there and um, they, we have a host and they show us around the country and it's, we have complete freedom in what we write about and what we show. Wait, that is absolutely incredible. The Jordan thing that you just mentioned, did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? That that was through a colleague. Yeah. Okay. It was through a colleague who was talking to them, and then we made the contact. And so I think, I guess you could say we probably reached out to them on that part. Man, how interesting. That is yeah. so cool. So we were there for 12 days with them. Yeah. And it what was amazing is, so there's some things we do, and we don't think it's beneficial to the uh, the readers, and we won't even talk about it. And we'll give feedback to the to the if it's the tourism board or whatever company we're working with, we'll tell them that, Hey, this doesn't fit and we can't write about it. And we're sorry. Um, you know, with, with Jordan, we saw so many things. You know, when I say there were some bad things, it was like one or two, everything, it just didn't fit. It wasn't that it necessarily was bad. And when you go to Jordan, there's so many amazing things that we wanted to share, you know, like uh, Wadi Rum and floating in the dead sea and, um, Aqaba. Like it's just an amazing, oh, and Petra, the number one, and so, so you're saying that like guess, they maybe had ideas of like, oh, these are probably the things that you're going to want to show your people. And you guys were like, eh, actually, like some of those are, but here's maybe some other things that we'd rather exactly, show instead. Exactly. Right. And, and so yeah. it's constantly a collaborative experience, which is, I think is so great. And it's not just one person say, saying this is the way or the highway. You know, it's we're working with people from around the world. I've, you know, never met someone from Jordan before. And now I'm close with these three people that took us under their wings and showed us around their country for their almost two weeks. And, you know, we get to say, Hey, you know, our, our readers love adventure. Let's do this. And they don't love, I don't know what it might be that that we did there that they wouldn't like, but, uh, have you Everything guys ever run into any uh, issues with that where you're like, hey, we want to post about this thing. They're like, no, you guys should post about this thing. And then you guys are just like, no, nah, that ain't happening. We've had one hotel group that we just it, the whole experience was a pretty bad experience. And I remember just it was it was a very bad struggle. I don't really want to bring them up just in, just because. Yeah, for sure. But so what happened yeah, then? Like, are you guys just like, look, just let us pay for the room or whatever. And we're just going to like, you know, sever ties with you. That's it. Pretty much. Yes. It pretty much was like, this isn't, this isn't working. This isn't what we thought it was going to be. And, and it got to the point where they were even trying to, cause we were writing the article and they came back and said, Oh, well, we need you to phrase it in this way. And we said, that's not how we work. I mean, we, we control final edit, not you guys. Yeah. And course. so it was, and you know, I think all, as we've gone through all this stuff is a whole learning process. One of the biggest things we've learned as we travel is that everything's a negotiation. 
you know, if it's negotiating, hey, we want a free hotel to, you know, trying to get paid for visiting a place to getting a free dinner. I mean, anything and everything can be negotiated and you just have to set the terms. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I think people, these companies at first, there's a ton of bloggers that are reaching out and, you know, a lot of people will promise the world. And at first we would do anything just to get a chance at, you know, getting into a hotel and like absolutely anything. I'll, you know, like have my first born just to give me a chance kind of thing. <laughs> I remember we, we spent hours making a video for one of the, one of the first hotels we did. And we just said never again. Like it was, it did not fit with all of our stuff, but it, we were just in the beginning and we wanted to pitch it. And we wanted to get them as a client. Yeah, for sure. Any other like major learning experiences that you guys have had that you could give as advice to other influencers out there? I think, you know, don't get down on yourself if you get a no or you get no answer at all. Just keep pitching, keep trying, keep putting yourself out there. Collaborate with other bloggers. Um, you know, we've met bloggers around the world and we've been able to write articles with them and share some of their photos and articles on our own page. And I think, you know, reach out to people that inspire you. And I guarantee these people will want to help. Yeah. The, the, the other tips I have, you know, to kind of elaborate on what Colette was saying is, you know, talking of working with other bloggers, be friendly. I mean, it's, it's a huge world out there, but for some reason, and we've heard directly and, you know, cross paths with people who are bloggers and they're very closed off. And, you know, some of the words that they've said, um, some, it was a friend who was talking to them and their response was, well, why would I share that with you? You're my competition. And it just shocked us and turned us off that anyone would ever do that. You know, the friends that we've made, uh, who are other bloggers we've met on the road, they're in the whole, they're in the same world. And, you know, the chances that we would ever be in competition for the same thing is very slim. So crazy. That's so funny. There's 7 billion people in the world. Like the idea that like, there's not enough to go around. Yeah. Like I was saying before, if you're a blogger, you are your own brand. So how could you even compete with someone else? Cause no one else is like you. That's not a competitive, it can be a competitive world, but I don't think it needs to be that way. I think it should just be a collaborative world. Yeah, for sure. Because we we all come out on top then. I think the other, the other learning tip we had is when negotiating as an influencer, try as hard as possible to have the, the client set the budget first. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of people at the beginning might come out and just throw out a very low number and you don't know, maybe it's a big client who has a huge budget. So it's, it's, that's one of the things we found is as we negotiate, you know, we'll, we have our pricing list for certain options, but then we'll ask them, Hey, what's, what's your budget? And we can work within that. That's a great idea. I love that. So is this kind of the main way, like when people are, are following people like you and wondering about people like you that are getting, um, like paid to travel nowadays, is this kind of the main way that this is going? Is this the main way that this is happening? I think, you know, five years ago or whatever people would have thought, and probably they would have been right if it was five years ago, that if someone was being paid to do this, it's because they just have whatever, a million people coming to their website per month. And therefore they just have like click links on their website and that, you know, they're making enough off of their links or whatever. Um, is that kind of old school? And this being an influencer is, is like the new way of doing things. I mean, I think a lot of the agencies out there, even CAA and, you know, the big ad agencies, 72 and Sunny, they are starting these influencer agencies because they see the value that influencers are bringing to the table and how, you know, the potential consumer can really connect with an influencer versus just, you know, an advertiser on TV that just looks so paid for. Um, So I think that's definitely on the up and up. And you have to look at the progression of technology and history. So, you know, first it was the radio and we had, who knows, two or three channels. Then we had TV and you had just the main three. And then they expanded to cable and we've continued that process. And now we have so many different platforms and so many different channels for people to watch that they can watch exactly what they want to see. You know, if it's if it's just short videos of food being cooked in the oven, they can watch that. Uh, if it's they want to watch us travel the world and see beautiful sights and become inspired and educated, then they can come watch that. And so the other piece of it is because there's so many different channels and now there's all these different modes and methods of technology to get advertisers to those channels, it makes it a lot easier. And the, the barrier to entry to get you know sponsorships or advertisements 
into those, it makes it uh, a new way of life. Yeah, absolutely. Do you and guys, I think sorry, go ahead. The blo- oh, for the bloggers and, you know, future influencers out there, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you ask for. So don't be afraid to ask for, you know, a post on their website and don't be afraid to ask for money or whatever it may be. It's difficult because there's so much emotion tied to yourself when you're pitching yourself, Totally. but you know, value yourself and, and stand by that. And, and people will value that when they see you doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's such great advice. I feel like artists run into that problem so much where they're afraid to ask for what they're worth, you know, for something that they created. Um, and, uh, yeah, such great advice for for people who are bloggers and stuff as well. And, we all and, need a little Ari Gold in us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, how do you guys now that you guys have lots of um, like opportunities coming at you and, and different opportunities of who you can approach? How are you guys choosing like what opportunities to say yes to? Um, what sorts of people you should try to reach out to? It, it comes down to what's going to be the best thing for us and our business and our brand, you know? So, um, if let's just say we had a hotel group, that's like a two star hotel in um, you know, the middle of, I don't know, New Mexico, uh, approach us and say, Hey, we'd love to have you come out. If we don't think that our readers would ever be inspired or want to go visit, we wouldn't go there. But you know, if like when we had tourism, Jordan contact us, we, or when we contacted them, we knew that that was going to be a great fit. Uh, we just got back from Jamaica and at this amazing hotel. And so it's, the decisions are pretty easy. Um, there haven't, I can't say we've had too many that we actually have to say, no, that's not going to work. Uh, and then it's now I think we're like, personally, what we're searching out, there's a few international spots. Like we're trying to get, we have a trip planned for Italy and Europe come May. This, miss, yeah, in May. Uh, actually, we have a wedding we're going to, so we're trying to loop all of that in. And so that's kind of what's fitting with us. And then we're going to do some potentially some domestic trips, maybe to Colorado, um, around Yosemite and some other things in there. Yeah, I was going to ask that. So what about your house now? Like, what about when you guys want to come back? Have you guys come back yet? Do you guys want to come back? It's, and if so, do you just stay with your parents or what happens? It's very <laughs> awkward. We actually went there, went to our house when we got back to California and which was picked, around three weeks ago. Which was three weeks ago. So we hadn't been back for 16 months. Wow. Crazy. And it was the craziest thing to... So fortunately, the tenant is very nice. And we have some stuff stored in a, in a closet downstairs. And we were able to go through the boxes and pick out a few items that we wanted. But what was really weird was it was almost like looking back at a time capsule. Because we had boxes of clothes that we thought were so important to us. And now I can say that probably 50% of those clothes I'll probably never wear again. Yeah. You're just into wearing like plain t-shirts and that's it. Yeah. And so it's, that's we, how we live now is we live through Airbnb. Uh, We just hop around. So we have an Airbnb where we are now in Hermosa beach and then we'll, uh, Oh, that's crazy. We lived in Redondo beach for uh, two years and in Santa Monica before that and stuff. I love that area. The South Bay is so great. Oh yeah. The South Bay. Yes. (laughs) It's hard to leave the bubble. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So then we do a lot of Airbnbs and then on the holidays we'll, we'll stay with family. Okay, cool. I love it. So, uh, if you guys could tell us your recommendation for the best place in the entire world, like I I hope (laughs) that each of you guys has some place over your past 16 months that stands out to you amongst other places. We, we've had that ask a lot and I'll say a few things. So our favorite trip we've ever done is to South Africa, where we did a safari. Seeing nature in the wild, seeing the leopards, seeing the lions roar, is there's nothing like it. And that is our number one recommendation to anyone. If you get a chance to do it, you must go. The other places, New Zealand, we've always loved New, um, New Zealand. It's spectacular, the South Island. Yeah. We rented a camper van and slept in it for two weeks and drove around the South Island, just pulling over and stopping whenever we saw, you know, a gorgeous mountain or something, which was every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we just cooked in the back of the van and it was simple living and one of the best times of our lives. That's so great. Then Iceland and Istanbul. Istanbul was just amazing piece of history and culture 
The people were so nice. The food was amazing. It was, I mean, just, I, I absolutely loved it. We, I was completely shocked and how amazing that city is and how great the Blue Mosque is. Because unfortunately, right before we left, there was there were two incidents that had happened in Istanbul um, that were in the news that seemed anti-American. And so we were a little nervous going there. But, you know, what the news is portraying is so different than what the actual people of the it country always like. is, right? It's, oh, yeah, man. it's crazy. And we just had the best time when we were in Turkey and we can't wait to go back. And we felt so welcomed. And it was the same way in Jordan where, you know, people are afraid and Americans are saying, I would never, you know, go to the Middle East. And I hope and pray that these, you know, our experiences can inspire and enlighten some people on the reality of these countries. The, the amazing thing is when we were at Jordan, how welcoming the people were. They would literally pull over in their car and say, welcome to Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> they were so wonderful. excited to Thank see you. Americans there. It's so great to see. I love that so much. I remember having a similar experience when I went to Vietnam, like wondering, like, how is this going to be in Vietnam? You know, yeah. and everyone just right. like loved us the whole time. It, it's just, it's a very um, like heartwarming experience to see that. And, and mm -hmm. so nice to see um, to, to see that. It's just great. So guys, let's try to uh, finish this whole thing up with you. I, so it sounds like there's no real advice that we can give in terms of like how to blow up as a travel blogger and how to become viral. So let's just give advice to people traveling in general. So you guys have become kind of like professional travelers. So for people that want to leave the country and go on their first big vacation or they're planning some sort of vacation, what advice would you give to people just traveling? Well, I give this this advice to everyone when it comes to traveling, if they want to do short term or long term, just simple like budgetary finance advice. Look at your daily decisions. If you're buying coffee every morning, you know, and you want to go, let's say you have a trip planned to, to Vietnam, you know, take out that coffee every day and it'll start to add up. If you buy out, you know, go out to lunch every day, um, maybe you have maybe you're leasing a very nice car, you know, try to change that car and you could save a few hundred dollars a month. And look at those small decisions, not as sacrifices, but as potential flights and potential destinations. Yeah. So that's I always give that to most people because a lot of people always say, oh, it's too expensive to travel. It's 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 it costs too much. I don't have enough time. And they always make these excuses. You just need to book it and everything will happen and fall in place. Totally. Well, to what you just said, like, I mean, the coffee is a great example. It's like one cup of coffee in America will buy you a whole day's worth of food in like Thailand or Vietnam or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. How about you, Colette? Anything to add to that? Hmm. I would say if you're planning travel, just slow the travel down because my one regret from this entire trip would be that we were traveling too frequently and we didn't get to spend enough time in places and really acclimate and assimilate with the culture. Um, when we stayed in places, you know, for weeks at a time, then we definitely got to understand a country or a city more. Whereas, I mean, when we first started, it was the typical American mindset. I have, you know, I, I have two weeks. I want to see seven countries in Europe in those two weeks. Yeah. And then we said, okay, I have seven months. We want to see 30 countries. And it gets to be too much financially, of course, but also just, it kind of takes away from the whole purpose of travel, yeah. um, to really experience a place for what it's worth and not just see the sites. So I would say for anyone planning a trip, especially a long-term trip, Go slow and enjoy. <laughs> and my, I had one that I thought of is you don't need to pack anything more than a carry-on. So many people pack huge suitcases for week-long trips, and there's nothing. So we traveled the world for, well, I mean, basically a year just in a carry-on bag. And there are a few times where, like, we were going snowboarding in Japan, so we had to pick up snowboarding gear. And we picked up the snowboarding gear, and then once we were done, we actually sold it on Craigslist. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know, like little little things like that, but I mean, for most people on their trips when they're traveling, they pack way too much, and then it just becomes a nuisance because when you have to carry it around, you have to wait for it. You save so much time when you just have a carry-on bag when you're traveling internationally. Yeah, and you never have to worry about what you're going to wear that day. You just you got right. it already figured out. Yep. And the best piece of advice at all is just don't be afraid to quit your job. Just quit it and bounce. <laughs> 
It's not for everyone. Sorry, bosses. I mean, it worked out fine for you guys, so that means it's definitely going to work out fine for everyone else. <laughs> it I always ext- will. Can't extrapolate from one point. But I do. <laughs> so, Colette, Scott, please tell us where we can find you guys so we can check out your travel adventures. Of course. So. You can find us on romaroo.com, which is spelled R-O-A-M-A-R-O-O.com. And on Instagram at Romaroo, Twitter, Romaroo, and Facebook at Romaroo. Oh, thank God you guys got it all. Can you imagine if you got like three quarters of them and then you couldn't get the last one and you were like Twitter at Romaroo 4572? That would have not been good. Kind of. So funny story, Snapchat, someone squatting on our name. No. Whoever you are, it's not very nice. Wait, so what's... Sorry, I interrupted you talking about the Snapchat one. What what are you on Snapchat then? We are Romaru underscore travel. Okay, got it. Easy enough. Easy enough. A a funny travel story. Uh, We were oddly on a radio station in Costa Rica very early on in our travels, and I got very nervous, and I misspelled our website twice in a row on the news channel and didn't realize it until the broadcast was over. And I never spelled it correctly. That's so great. She said, you spelled the name wrong. Wait, how? (laughs) You please have to tell us the story about that. How early on in your travels did you end up on a radio station in New Zealand? The first month, first, about six weeks in. Yeah. It was a small local radio station, and they were having a broadcast at a bar we were at. And we just started talking to the broadcaster, and he's like, oh, let me ask you a few questions. And then I just. I froze. I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most embarrassing thing I've had happen. That's... And, the guy, and the radio host was actually very polite. And I, I guess I spelled it. I go, R-O-A-M-R-O-O. And he goes, let's slow that down one more time. And I did basically the same exact thing. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I, I totally understand. So. You live and you learn, and he'll never misspell our name again. Yeah, so it's for spelled R O A M A. Yeah, R O O. That's why you let. That's why you let Colette answer that question now. Like two kangaroos roaming around. Yeah, got it, got it. All right, cool. Well, guys, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we will definitely check out your site. I can't wait to uh, to follow your guys' next adventures. Thank you. Thanks so much, Blake. It was a pleasure. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you told a friend about it to help spread the word about the show. And if you've been listening to the show for a little while and been enjoying yourself, I would really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes. That's a way that a lot of people learn about new podcasts. And the more reviews and the better reviews that a podcast gets, the more people that that podcast ends up in front of. So that would be a really awesome way to help the show. And if you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, yeah, that's all fine and good, Blake, but uh, what are you going to do to help me out? Well, how about being a guest on Half Hour Intern? That is right. You could totally be a guest on this show. So if you have been sitting there listening to the show and thinking to yourself, you know what? I do this totally awesome thing for a living. Or you know what? I have this awesome hobby that I'm really, really passionate about and I would love to tell people about it. Go to halfhourintern.com and click on the Submit Your Ideas link at the top of the page. And through there, there will be forms that you can fill out to get in touch with me about the possibility of coming on the show and being a guest yourself on the Half Hour Intern Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening.